Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. In your own words, would you lift your hands and just worship Him? Oh, I magnify you. I thank you for what I feel and who you are. Oh, Lord Jesus, I praise you with everything that is within me. Oh, I magnify you today. My heart is full today of the goodness of God. I worship you. I thank you. I glorify you, oh God. I magnify you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. You're holy. You're holy, Lord. You're holy, Lord. Oh, I worship you today. Would you clap your hands and give him a high praise? Praise the name of the Lord. The book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 11. Romans 1 and 11. I'm excited. we got five. I'm going to be baptized today. Amen. We're so glad. Praise the name of the Lord. The Lord's moving. Thankful for what He's doing here. And, and to this praise team and this music team. and Everybody has put this service together. Thank you. Because He's not just the God of America. Every creed, every country, every skin color. How many know He's the God of all people? and all nations that there be an amen we want to be a part of that that's for sure tonight is is uh, our service our superintendent the state of Ohio uh, Bishop Jim Starks will be preaching to us it's our service where we let the Lord speak to us about what we're going to give to missions and um, I'm so excited about us being able to do that God has blessed us because we're missions-minded and we give to missions. So we want you to come, everybody to be here. You know, I think there's 36-plus Sunday nights you have free now. So I want you here tonight. Amen. Uh, first Sundays are very important. And this coming, this tonight is going to be a blessing. My mom and dad are going to be here as, as North American missionaries. My brother and his wife and... Uh, are going to be here tonight, amen, and so they're going to be here just to be in service with us this evening, so I'm excited to have my family with us, because we are a missions-minded church, it's bigger than Zanesville, how many know that? Romans chapter 1, verse 11, Romans 1, verse 11, it says, for I long to see you, Paul writes to the church at Rome that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. To the end, you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I would not have you ignorant. What he's saying, I'm not going to let you be unlearned. He said, brethren, that oftentimes I purpose to come unto you, but was let hitherto that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. He says, verse 14, the statement that has impacted me over the years. He said, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, 
both to the wise and to the unwise. He says this statement in verse 15. He says, so as much as in me is. Would you say that statement? So as much as in me is. I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. He is, he is grateful for something specific. And because he's so grateful, he said, I've got to come and tell you what I know. And he says in verse 16, a very familiar verse, but he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He said, it's not just for the Jew, but it's for every Gentile in the world. Do you believe that? And um, I'd like to talk to you today on, on simply my, preach to you about my responsibility, our responsibility of the love of God. Would you lift your hands and be thankful? The Bible said lift your hands, heart with your hands. and I'm thankful for the love of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. My heart is moved because of my personal devotion that I've had with the Lord in the book of Romans. I, I don't plan on preaching long today, but I am going to bear my soul. We here today, every one of us, that God has brought out a sin should have a thankful heart. That we've got to hear the gospel, we should be thankful. Can you say amen? I remember when I was a kid growing up, we, would, we had fellowship meetings in the United Pentecostal Church. And in Ohio, you have youth rallies. But we had fellowship meetings. All the pastors would gather and, and the church would gather at different churches. It would, it would go around our section. And then every year we'd have camp meeting and different things. But in our section, they would call them fellowship rallies. And, and uh, I remember them, you know, things you remember when you are a kid. They'd say, We're so, we want Brother Neil from Summersville to stand and testify. And they said, uh, we want Brother Moorfield from Bluefield to stand test. And they run. Those names stuck out to me, you know. And I remember there was a man by the name of Brother Withrow, and, and he didn't have any hair, any eyelashes, eyebrows, nothing. I can remember that about him. And he always seemed old to me. And he probably was, I guess. You know, when you're a young kid, everybody seems old. You know that? Now everybody's looking younger all the time to me for some reason. But he'd get up and he'd sing, Oh, I would not. That's how he'd sing. Be a sinner. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's what he'd do. So funny. Then he'd say, I'm climbing up the mountain to the sky, way up in the sky, till I reach the other side. Bye. And he'd hold it out real long. And by, then he'd sing real fast, oh, I would not be a sinner, oh, no, oh, no, I'm climbing up the mountain. And I think that in him, and there was something that had moved, it was exciting, and uh, I loved to hear him sing, and you know how kids are, we'd go home and try to act like him, and sing like him, you know. And, but there was something in him that says, I don't want to go back to where I was. There was something grateful, I would not be a sinner, oh, no. I wonder just for a glimpse moment you would take a look at where you would be now if he hadn't saved you from your sin. 
If those things that you did or went through, you had been forgiven of or healed, where would you be right now? The addiction that he brought you out of, the chaos, the abuse, whatever it was that was in your life that you dealt with, where would you be if the Lord hadn't pulled you out? I want you to know today that he brought me out of darkness into his marvelous light. If it hadn't been for the Lord, where would I be? Could I tell you, I believe what they sang when I was a kid, that while he was on the cross, I was on his mind. When they took him up Golgotha's hill, he could have stopped at any moment, threw the cross off of his shoulder. He could have looked at Simon and said, don't pick it up. I'm done with these people. I'm done with these sinners. Oh, no. But while we were yet sinners, Christ chose to die. He didn't have to. But he did. He walked up the Calvary's hill, the place of the skull, known as Golgotha. When they laid him on the cross, he didn't have to lay on the cross, but he did. He let them drive nails in his hands, in his feet, spit in his face, pluck his beard. He could have stopped at any moment, but he did not. You know why? Because he knew he was the answer to every man and every woman, every boy and every girl. It was going to take a savior, a lamb. A lamb to save the world. Somebody shout, a lamb. In Galatians, it tells us that that when a king is alive, the heir of the king is the children, but when they're just children, they're just as great as, they're, they're just equal with the slaves. They're equal with everybody else, every servant around. They have tutors and schoolmasters and all this, but really, but it's not until the one dies that they receive the inheritance and they are lifted up to the place of inheritance. He said, so were we before Christ came to the earth. We were just equal. We were just left out. We were just equal. But when he died, he made us to become sons of the king. And because we're sons of the king, we are now heirs of the grace of life. You're not looking at somebody that is just a servant of the Lord. I am a son of God. You are a child of God. And if we are childs of God, children of God, we are recipients of his grace and his mercy and his goodness. Do you believe that today? It doesn't matter where you come from because the Lord walked into this building to give you a brand new opportunity and a brand new chance. It was Paul who was, who was in a religion of, of Jewish religion He would brag and boast. He said, if you want to boast, he said, I'm the strictest raised, the strictest of the Pharisees. He said, I was raised that way. He had such passion that he went on to the school to study at the feet of Gamaliel. We can even see what happened from this in Acts. He he, he studied to be the best Jew and the law that he could be and the lawyer that he could be. He was very, very passionate about Jewish law. That when Jews begin to convert convert to Christianity, something began to happen. It fueled something in him. He was told by the Pharisee Jewish leaders of that day, you go down, you go down and you throw them in prison. And he was glad to. He was a persecutor of the church. He was a persecutor of the Jewish people, which was only at Jerusalem. As I taught Wednesday night, he wreaked havoc. He wreaked havoc on the believers in Jerusalem. How many know that he did that? 
He wreaked havoc. He in prison held the coat of Stephen while he was stoned. There was no remorse in him, but there was a day that he was on the road to Damascus, him and his crew, to keep persecuting the church. But a light shined out of heaven. When it did, it blinded him and knocked him down to the ground. And a voice out of heaven made this statement. Saul, why persecutest thou me? Saul, why persecutest thou me? You can see it's in the red letter edition. It's the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to him. He said, don't you realize it's hard? It's hard for you to kick against the pricks, meaning you're trying to attack my church, my people. You can kick sharp nails, but it's going to do you more harm than them. I know you're persecuting. I know what you're doing, but don't you realize it's against me? It's against me. That's what you're doing. And he goes on and prophesies to him. He says, Saul, I have called you to be a minister unto the Gentile people. I want you to go take it beyond the Jews. I want you to take it to the Gentiles. I'm sending you to somebody that's going to pray for you. His name was Ananias would be his pastor. When he gets there and God speaks to Ananias, says, I'm sending Saul to you. And he said, hold on a minute, Lord. He's a preacher killer. I don't know if I want that guy coming to my house. Oh, no, I'm sinning because he's going, to be a, he's going to be a minister to the Gentile people. Oh, when it gets there. And, uh, and God had called him and chosen him. And he has this great knowledge of the law. Certainly he could convince many of the Jews, but God had called him beyond the Jewish people to minister to Gentile people. When he gets there, and gets there, the Bible says like scales lifted from his eyes, he began to see. And, and, and when he did, the, the preacher that had preached to him, Ananias, this gospel, and he studied under him, he said, why wait? Arise and be baptized, Saul. Wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. What is that name? Somebody shout, Jesus. What is that name? And he, he said, why? He was baptized and God filled Saul with the Spirit. The Lord changed his name from Saul to Paul. He became an apostle, not to the Jews, but he became an apostle to the Gentile people. He was the first missionary that existed there was something inside of this man. And I don't think it's an accident that his first letter we have recorded written was written to the church, to the people of Rome. Rome was the place where Jews had been captive. It's a place where Jews had been under suppression by Roman law, Roman authority. And when God called the apostle, you know what he did? He first ministered to people that he was raised around. I realize today that we send people around, around different places. We support missionaries around the world. We take a portion. Not everything goes to just our churches here in Southeast Asia. We send different places, and I understand that. But when God called him to go to the Gentiles, he makes this statement. He said, I am a debtor. I'm a debtor. I'm a debtor to you that are at Rome. Why? Because Paul, now the Apostle Paul was Saul, an unbeliever, but now the Apostle Paul, a believer and a, a, uh, um, a missionary, an apostle, you'll find that something powerful happens. He feels responsible to go back to the people he was raised with, which would be at Rome. He said, not only am I a Jew, but I was raised in Rome, and that's why he had to be sent on ships to go to the head authority of the Romans because when they ridiculed him and beat him with whips, they found out that he was not just a... He wasn't just a, a Christian, but he was actually a Roman citizen, and there was laws to protect citizens. And he was a Roman citizen. When he gets this gospel, there was something in him that said, what am I going to do with the love of God? What am I going to do? I'm going to tell you, he, he didn't save you because he had to save you. 
The Lord saved you because of his love for you. I'm going to tell you right now, you've got to wake up and realize God's not against you. He's for you. All of you in the building thinking, well, God's against me. He's not against you. For the love of God, which is shed abroad, where? In our hearts. For God so loved the what? The world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. I come to preach to you. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what used to be in your veins. I don't care what type of sin you've committed. There is a God that can save you out of your sin. He can save you out of your bondage. Come on, if he's ever set you free from sin, jump to your feet, clap your hands, and shout, he saved me from my sin. I'm different now. I'm different now. Somebody shout, we are different now. And Paul has this gratefulness in his heart. He's no longer a preacher killer. He deals with it every now and then. He said, I forget those things which are behind. How many's ever had to try to do that? Let's get real for a minute. How many's ever had to look over your shoulder and say, I'm not thinking about that? Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching for the things which are before. What do you say? I press toward the mark of the high calling which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. You can separate from a lot of things, but he said, You can't separate me from the love of God. Persecution, he said. He said, Nay, in all these things. I'm more than a conqueror. Height, depth. Any other creature can separate me from the love of God. You cannot be separated from the love of God. And Paul's response to God loving him, even though what he had done, he said, I got to do what God wants me to do. There's more to live for God than just being saved. There comes this responsibility of truth. There comes this responsibility of love. One of these days, when the roll was called up yonder, as the song says, how many's planning on being there? Anybody? In Romans chapter 5, look what it says. Let's read it. Because we're not always going to be here. This is, a, this is a temporary body that I'm living in. That's right. Temporary shirt I'm wearing. I come in wearing the next one, you know I liked it better than a certain tie. Amen. That's possible. Revelation 5, this is a temporary house we live in. Look what he says. Now I know who I'm preaching to. There, there might be some of you of Jewish descent, but the fact of the matter is we are all here because Jesus became the Lord of the Gentiles too. There was a circumcised and uncircumcised, only two types of people in the world, Jews and non-Jews. Read it all through the Old Testament. God's hand was up on the Jewish people. Non-Jews could join. It was called the law of the stranger. They would be treated like the homeborn. We, most of us, if not all of us, aren't of Jewish descent. We can't trace our bloodline probably back to Abraham. That's right. Many, many nations are represented in here. America has been birthed out of a melting pot of different cultures. We sing today in Spanish, Portuguese, and, uh, and, and French. Today we sang in those songs. Backgrounds, I have French in my background. My, my grandfather came from France on a ship over here to find work. My great-grandfather, Shabdu, my mother's father. And I come to you today because we have different backgrounds. Truth of the matter is, 
But at the end of the day, we only have one creator. He is our father. Can you say amen? And he looked down in Revelation 5, and this is what John saw in the end time. This is what John saw of heaven after this earth was passed away. He saw this. He said, and I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book, to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, John said, because no man was found worthy to open to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Who are the elders, the 24 elders of Scripture? When you look, I believe it's descendants of the 12 tribes of Israel, the Old Testament. And I believe it's those that come to the truth under the 12 apostles of the New Testament. 12 and 12 makes 24. Those descendants from the Jewish and those that joined those ways by the law, the saved of the Old Testament. The new, the 12 apostles. How many know the foundation of heaven is going to be 12 foundations? Whose name is going to be there? Anybody know? The 12, the 12 apostles. Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. Everything is based upon him. When it's referencing 24 elders, it's not talking about 24 individual men. It is talking about 24 representing the saved of the Old Testament and the saved of the New Testament. Salvation in the Old Testament is different than the salvation way of the New Testament. Noah had to build a boat and get on it and eight souls were saved by it. How many know that? We saw salvation through the law, but... Praise God, when Jesus came, he became the Lamb of God, which takes the sin of the entire world. Let there be an amen here. When you begin to look at this, it says, And one of the elders in verse 5 said unto me, Weep not, behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, who's worthy to open the book. Oh, it's the root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And who is this talking about? Everybody shout, Jesus. When he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and had made us under our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. Can I say to you, there is only one that's worthy to open that, that book and he is the Lamb of God which was slain at Calvary. You know who gets to announce his worthiness? It's those that have come to the Lord by the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're going to say, I know because I've been washed in his blood. Oh, is there anybody that can stand with me right now and say, he's a worthy. He's a worthy. Hallelujah. I know one that.
that's worthy. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Look at your neighbor and say, there is one that's worthy. And guess what? Every single day we have an opportunity to say, I know one that's worthy. If it hadn't been for the Lord, where would I be? If it hadn't been for God, what would have happened to me? It's because of the blood of Jesus. I could stand here today before you whole. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, the Lord is worthy. The Lord is worthy. Paul, in this moment that I write, you can be seated in Romans 1. He writes out of a thankful heart. If we're not careful, we'll allow church to become a place of social gathering instead of thankful spirit. Who shook my hand? Who didn't shake my hand? The music was too loud. The note was a little off. The preacher was too long. Just got to throw that in there. Not careful, we'll become like the guy on the front row when I was preaching. Everything God says, a young preacher, he'd flip through scripture to make sure I was in the Bible. Be like the one church I went where the pastor got up from the platform, stood at the back wall, judging me the whole time I was preaching. Instead of coming to church being grateful, come to church with an attitude. Instead of coming to the church with a spirit of thanksgiving, just, I'm so glad he saved me. Let me just see if all the dots are, all the eyes are dotted and the T's are crossed. I'm going to tell you right now, there's none good, no, not one. There's not one perfect person in here. We're just perfecting. This isn't about people. This is about him. When you walk through the door, this isn't about who's here or who's not here. You enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And you say, worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. I'm so grateful. Look what he did for me. Somebody shout, worthy is the lamb. What are you going to do with the love of God? What's our responsibility to the love of God? What is the love of God? It's a grateful heart. It says, he loved me while I was still a sinner. He picked me up. He turned my life around. And I have this treasure in an earthen vessel that I can't keep it to myself. He built a relationship with the Lord because our relationship is not with the church alone. We need a relationship with the body, but more, we need a relationship with God himself. How many know that? I appreciate our friendship, but my goal is put your hand in his hand. I want you to know that you can walk with him and talk with him. But there's a moment in your life that you realize this is not my check, checked box of Christian obligations. No, I'm here because he loved me when I was a mess. He loved me when I was broken. How many in here have had a physical healing from the Lord? Would you raise your hand? I have. How many here have had emotional healing from the Lord? How many here had a crisis in your life and the Lord reached further down than you could reach up? How many could honestly say, if it hadn't been for the Lord, you, you probably wouldn't even be alive right now? People don't understand their worship sometimes. They, they don't understand the exuberance. I'm going to tell you something moves me. is when the worship starts, the young people are up here. I'd rather have them up here than back there. I'd rather them have them in the church. Are y'all hearing me right now? 
They're going to act up every now and then. Our children up here worshiping God. I look down at our kids, kids this tall, very sensitive. Can I say to this congregation, don't ever let your heart become hard into a move of the Spirit. Don't ever let the Lamb of God walk into the room and we don't even know that He's here. Because we're mind is somewhere else. I want everybody to say, God, I don't want a judgmental spirit. I want a thankful heart. What am I going to do with the love of God? What is the responsibility of what God has done for me? I'm going to tell you what it is. He said, here's what I want you to do. It's Acts 1 and 8 and it's Acts 8 1. Acts 1 8 is simply this. I'm going to give you power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And when I do, I want you to be witnesses unto me. Both. Not just here. Both in Jerusalem and where? Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Heaven's not going to be filled just with Jewish people. It's not going to be filled just with people with dark skin or people with light skin or people just with Asian dialect. Oh no. At the day of Pentecost, they gathered from every nation under heaven. This is an every nation church. There's no room in the church for prejudice. Come on. There are going to be homeless people that's going to make it. There are going to be wealthy people that's going to make it. Do you believe that? And God's raising his church up in the last hour to be a light to every dark situation, to every broken situation. Come on, there's hope. Paul the apostle. Paul the apostle of Jesus Christ. You may be seated. He was so moved by his experience. How many of you have had an experience with God? He was so moved by his experience that he said, I'm a debtor. What's he saying is, I owe them something. Who? The nation he was raised in. Who were they? They were Jews and, everybody say Gentiles. He took the gospel to them he took the gospel. He said, I'm going to come to you and start my delay. He even writes, he said, to impart some spiritual gift to you. He said, there's power in this gospel. He believed, if I could just tell the gospel of Jesus Christ, that what God had done in him, he would do in somebody else. Woo. I'm believing for an atheist revival. Are you believing that? I believe there's going to be a wake-up call. I want you to lift your hands and say, God, I pray that you'll cause the atheists to become hungry for more than what they have. Their hardened hearts and their hardened minds. Come on, would you pray with pastor? We are praying, people. We're praying, Lord, for every atheist and agnostic. There would be a moving of your spirit that through spiritual conversations... They would see the light of the glorious gospel. The Bible tells us if the gospel be hid, it's what? That's right, Sister Julie. It's hid to them that are lost. No gospel, no direction. The element that you've got to get that this is not an anchor thing or a church thing. This is a gospel thing. There's power in the gospel. And because the gospel changed my life, I'm going to take the gospel and let it change somebody else's life. 
or I'm going to send somebody that's called to preach the gospel to change somebody else's life. Paul, in his writing, he, he, he talks about the gratefulness in his spirit. And in Romans, he said, so as much as in me is. Do you believe you have enough in you from God to change somebody else's life? Or do you think it was just for you? What do you do with the love of God that he's given you? I'm going to tell you, it's shed abroad. It can't stay just with inside these four walls. God has called you to do more than attend church on a Sunday. It is the will of God, the plan of God, spoken out of his own mouth. It starts here, in here, in you, and it begins to go to the region, to the state, and beyond. How do we get the gospel to unbelievers? Paul himself, he got up. He was so moved by what he knew. He understood not only the Jewish law. He also understood Greek mythology. He also understood at Mars Hill that they had altars built up there that they served a God they didn't even know the name of. And he walks up there and he preaches this message at Mars Hill. He said, let me tell you who you're worshiping. Let me tell you what you're missing. Because he was saying, there was a day in my life I had religion, but I didn't know who he was. And he would go everywhere he'd go. He would preach the name of Jesus. Can I report to you, if we turn church pulpits into politics, nobody's going to be saved. We turn this just into personal stories of life events, nobody's going to be saved. But when we get up and talk about on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, there's going to be a change in the hearts and lives of people. It doesn't matter what part of North America they come from. Listen to this preacher. The gospel will open the eyes of the atheists. The gospel will open the eyes of the country folk. The gospel will open the eyes of the politician. The gospel will open the eyes of unbelievers. But they can't be saved without a preacher. And how can they preach? He said to be sent. Somebody's got to get involved in sending preachers to the field to preach the gospel. Listen, be seated in a moment. One thing I did years ago, I fell in love with preaching. I love it. When I was 15 years old, I fell in love with preaching. I'd go to bed and listen to preaching. 16 years old, go to bed and listen to preaching. I'll wake up in the mornings and I go, when I get in devotion, when I'm reading my word, I'll, I'll turn music on. Sometimes I'll turn preaching on and I'll get in the word. I read in Romans right here, I fell in love with preaching. I love preaching. There's power in preaching. Thank God for preachers. Thank God for preachers. But it's not just preachers. I fell in love many, many years ago when I was a little taught in Sunday school class. I fell in love with the church. I fell in love with the old people in the church. I fell in love with those people that worship God, faithful, Sunday morning, Sunday services, Wednesday, over and over, watch them worship God. There's something special about the body of Christ because we're not here just gathered together for ourselves. The purpose of the body gathering is to impact more than the body that's existing. It is always impacting those that are not here yet. Come on. How many, how many services have I been in that there was a hand raised and say, would you pray for my son? Would you pray for my family member? Would you pray for my neighbor? Would you pray for my grandmother? Why? Because saints believe that when they talk to their God, he's bigger than 
them. He's able to reach outside of where they are. I'm going to tell you what I feel right now. There's a faith coming to the church. It's a no limit type of faith that says he's able to do anything. He can save anybody anywhere. He's able. Hallelujah. How many's ever had God to do anything for you? Heal you, save you, deliver you? What's he ever done for you? He's done so many things for us. But it's not left just for me to know. There is something inside of Paul that said, I'll go to Rome. But he didn't just go to Rome. He didn't just go to Rome. He starts with Rome, at least in his letter. But it's not long he's at Crete. It's not long he's desiring to go to Asia. That's Europe in Scripture. That's not China. You studied. You, you see when it's talking about going to Asia, then it was called Europe. Why the Hodge did want to go to all these nations? Because he believed the love of God was not just for him. That if God could change his heart around, he could change absolutely anybody's heart around. Here in a few moments, the McConnellsville team will be getting up and going down to McConnellsville. Because we believe it's from McConnellsville. We have a liaison for our global works right here. Stand with the Melik. Happy 60th birthday. Come with me. He's had a burden for missions. Where's your precious wife, Sister, Sister Ron, to come? We're going we're gonna to honor him tonight in our, in our global mission service. Is that Guatemalan? Yes. Yes. Uh, that's awesome. And this is Guatemalan as well. Oh, pay 10. My land, you're tailor-made. <laughs> he slept in huts. He slept in places. You, he put me in a hotel room one time. I said, you don't ever have to do that to me again. When you're touching the water and the speak at the same time, it'd shock you. Literally. The water come out of the end was heated by electrical wires going into the heater on the edge. When you touch, touch the water and the spigot, it's just... I said, we don't have to do that anymore. And he was willing to go to jungles that almost every preacher that went in there failed until he and Brother Noe went there. Why did we send you to Guatemala? And there's so many people here that need the gospel. Because we'll never reach here if we're not willing to invest in other fields. Because this is more than American people getting this. It's just the truth. I really don't see color. I just see people. There's no prejudice in me. It just isn't. It's just God loves everybody. And I love everybody. I'll be merciful and gracious because of the love of God that shed abroad in my heart. But let me say something to you right now. It got in Paul's heart so deep that he always wanted to take it somewhere else. This can never be imploded inside of a building, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, this is just for us. There has to be inside of you that if God did it for me, he can do it in another country that's never heard this. And not only we get it in our spirit, 
We get it in our pocketbook. We get it in our mind, and we get it in our kids. I, years ago, when, I, when we started talking global missions, I said at the baby dedication, I said on a Sunday night preaching with a burden, I said, you dedicated them to the Lord. Now can you let them go to another country? Because God is going to call people to strange lands. Saul, no longer will be Saul. That's in your past. I'm giving you a new purpose. It's going to be Paul. I want you to take the gospel to the nations. And every nation he went to, it would open up. Because not only to be an apostle, he had to have a key. He had a key. Apostles have keys. Not just anybody can go. Can I teach you something here? Just, just stand up there. Sound bossy, I guess. Not everybody's going to have a call into a country, but there are going to be temporary moments you have a burden for a country. To be a missionary, you can't have a burden only. You have to have a call. Look at your neighbor and say, burdens are temporary. It'll lift. You can get a burden out of service and three cheeseburgers, three cheeseburgers later, it's gone. That's true. And I think if we're not careful, God gives us a burden and we, we go to things that are carnal. And it lifts from How many ever had a move of God? God telling you to do something and you went out and hung out and it just lifted from you. Everybody say burdens are temporary. Callings are permanent. That's why I can pastor through tough times here. Because I'm called here. Because a burden here will lift and wax and wane. It's, it's just how it works. I'm not talking about a burden right now. I'm talking about in this room there's calls of God that are in this room on young people that... They're saying, God's been good to me. If you've been raised in church, it might take a while to realize how good you have it. I don't know what it's like to be delivered from drugs and alcohol. I don't, I don't know what that's like. I, got, I don't know. Not that I don't have sin to be forgiven of. I did. Plenty of it. I had to be forgiven. But I don't know some of the things that people go through to get here. And when I was in church growing up until I was 15, it was sort of the attitude. Preacher, just be glad I showed up. I could have been somewhere else. Preacher was my dad. I didn't ever say it, but there was just moments. Just glad I'm here. I had an attitude, you know. But Cody, I don't want no attitude in the house of God. I just want something to come over me, though, when these young people from my high school came and got delivered that were right down the street. They knew what it was like to be homeless and broken and busted. And they knew what it was like to have chaos and confusion. They knew what it was like. And they'd come in one after another, and they said, Oh, Aaron. Aaron, this is the most wonderful thing I've ever felt. I've never experienced anything like this. I mean, they did everything you'd imagine. But they come in and said, it's amazing. They were one of the greatest messages ever preached was from 16, 17, and 18-year-olds. Directly with their finger on my chest. Aaron, it's, I've been drunk. I didn't know where I was, but oh, I got the Holy Ghost. It's the most wonderful thing. I've never felt so good in all my life. And something woke up in my inside of me that said, what am I doing just showing up when he's given me absolutely everything? I've got to take this to... I've got to take this to somebody come on somebody else needs to hear it whether it's in a jail cell or a neighbor come on whether it's in a city of Zanesville or a county is there anybody that says the love of God has got to be spread to somebody else's heart stand to your feet and lift your hands stand with me come on everybody stand to your feet
We're going to reach the world from this church. I said, we're going to reach the world from this city. Is there anybody that would press your hands forward and say, God, I'm going to do what it takes. Lord, I'm going to do what it takes to get the gospel to people that have not heard it. Come on, there's something moving. There is a burden here. on the Lord speaking to you it's an all nations Sunday your voice would you there's a spirit of gratitude and gratefulness in here that's right now come here brother Mark Neely come here sister Rhonda walk with me in the name of Jesus in the name of the Lord I want you to just open your spirit pray for us today pray for our countries pray for our nation let's begin to pray God let us not be trapped in these walls we thank you Jesus for turning our attention to the rest of the world, Lord God. There are people that hunger for you today, Lord God. They just wish someone would show them the way, Lord God. Help us to be a shining light in this world, Lord God. Use us in this last day, Lord Jesus, as we give to others as they go, Lord God. But some of us are going to have to go, Lord Jesus. Some of us are going to Yield, Lord God. Do your will, Lord Jesus. Bless us, Lord God. Not just a burden, Lord God. Not just something that's fleeting, Lord God. But put something in our souls, Lord Jesus. This is who we are, Lord God. We shed. We, sh we shed. We allow ourselves to be used by you, Lord God. We shed our pride, Lord God. Our Americanism, Lord Jesus. We forget that for your glory, Lord God. For your kingdom, Lord Jesus. For your people all over this world, Lord God. In Jesus' name. Jesus. Hallelujah. I want us to find a place to pray. I want you, you to come to the altar and kneel at your seats. In just a few moments, we've got five people going to be baptized. We're so thankful. But right now, I want us to get on our knees. Kneel before the King of Kings. He said he's made us kings and priests before the Lord. God's given you authority to pray prayers. I want everybody in the room to get on your knees and begin to call in the name of the Lord. God's called this church to place a prayer. Come on, that's it. We can't have success without prayer. If there is no altar, there is no power. There is no altar, there will be no burden. And no altar, there will be no call of God released. Right now, right where you are, God... Let our family be a part of something that's reaching people that's never heard the gospel. <laughs> Help us to reach people in our own community. Different nationalities. Different creeds of people raised in places that don't know anything about the love of God. Oh! <laughs> Come on, pray a prayer that's going to change a life. Because it does. Thank you. 
Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.